Oh yes, guys, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful, and the fire of eternal damnation. And if you found that cringy, just wait until you end up in the deep, dark depths of hell for listening to this episode. Because for today's Christmas episode, we will be discussing Satanism. With me today is Hell's Bell, a practicing member of the Satanic Temple, and she joined me today to discuss civil liberties, social justice, religious freedoms, and women's rights issues all through the lens of Satanism. I must admit that this is one of the most thoughtful episodes I ever made, and pretty left field for my show which deals with the paranormal, we just ended up talking straight up about religious freedoms and societal issues which sprout from oppressive belief systems. So I guess sit back and relax while you still can in your physical material bodies until Judgment Day arrives. And listen to this wonderful episode, guys. And I guess, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and Hail Satan! So we are in the Christmas spirit, and what is it now? Is it the 4th of December when we're recording yeah. this? Hello, Belle. Hi, how are you? I'm great, I'm great. Very stoked to chat with you today about these <laughs> topics, these very controversial topics to bring up on Christmas Day. Oh, it's going to be good. And you know what? I actually just went to a Christmas parade yesterday. I love, I, I, um, it's kind of, you would think of someone like me and you think, okay, they probably hate Christmas. I actually love Christmas. I, I love the, the joy in people's faces when it's done right, you know, yes. when it's done right. I was actually going to ask you, do you celebrate Christmas in your household? And how does a satanic Christmas look like? Um, you know, I, I actually, I, I hate to say celebrate because I don't celebrate mm -hmm. Christmas. I, I enjoy the season of because, and it all comes down to my mother, um, which often in life, it all, a lot of stories come down to your mother, right? But my mother was just a very strong, independent woman. And I've often tried to um, live up to that. She was a very hard woman to live with too. But she always made sure that Christmas was a time of joy for us because we grew up very poor in the South United States, in Texas. So we, we were very poor. And oftentimes we, you would get nothing during the year. And then Christmas time, she always made sure to make it really, really special for us. And so for me, what Christmas was, was just family and appreciating being with each other. It was never commercialized for me. And and that, I'm, I'm sad for people who see it that way or have trauma related to Christmas. I'm sad for them that they did not get to experience the Christmases I had growing up. So yes, I was actually going to ask you, apart from being Hell's Bell, are you a Southern Bell? Because I can hear it in your accent. <laughs> yeah, yes, I was born. I was born in Texas. Um, a little city right outside of Dallas, Texas called Mesquite. I lived there my entire life and only just recently have started venturing out of the country because I just grew up very in a very small town, suburban small town type of attitude of what mattered was what was closest to you there at home. But I've always wanted and yearned for more. Knowledge has always been so sacred to me. So being at the position of my life to finally be able to travel, I'm just loving that. So I've actually yes. moved to New Orleans two years ago. And ironically, you moved even deeper south. Yeah. 
<laughs> true. That's true. But New Orleans itself, it, so it's in the state of Louisiana, and it's that's a very um, conservative state. But New Orleans, the city itself, is very vibrant and progressive and liberal, and it's about loving your life and living your life to the fullest every day. I don't know if have you ever been to New Orleans or know anything about? No, but I am aware of the general vibe of New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, it's a very progressive city. So, and and I've always just I've loved it from you know my very first time I read Anne Rice as an author, of course. Um, she brought New Orleans, New Orleans to life for a lot of people. Yeah, I'm living my best goth life in New Orleans right now. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we already established that you are a Satanist. And yes. now that you're goth, can you tell my listeners something about yourself and what you do? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so I am a member of Satanic Temple, and we became members, official members, a few years ago when, you know, the Satanic Temple first hit the, the scene, especially here in the States. People didn't know quite what to make of it. I had heard of it. And the Satanic Temple itself is, we are a non-theistic religion. So we do not believe in the actual deity of Satan or God mm -hmm. or, or any deity. The, the church, the, the temple does not. The Church of Satan is also a non-theistic Satanic group, but it's completely separate. Their beliefs are completely separate from the Satanic Temple and they often get confused. And they often fight with each other, or rather yeah. I heard that the church really does not like the temple. And, and, vice, and vice versa. It's And you know, that's, unfortunately, that is the politics of it seems to be everything in life, right? I, you know, and I, disclaimer, I am by no means a spokesperson for the Satanic Temple. I, I only know what I know and, and why it spoke to me as when I mm -hmm. first decided, fuck, I think I'm a, I can cuss, right? You're Yes. Right? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, I'm a Satanist. You know, that's what I was like, oh, I never thought I was a Satanist, but fuck, I'm a Satanist. I had read, I don't, I don't know how familiar you are with the tenets of, of the Satanic Temple, but when I read the tenets, I'm like, this, this makes sense to me. It's all about reason and logic and knowledge and acting with empathy and how social justice is important. And, and that really struck a chord with me as a person because I really struggled with my religious aspect of my life because I grew up Southern Baptist. So it was very hard for me struggling against everything that I was taught in a Southern church growing up in the United States of America versus what my brain and my heart were screaming inside of me that this doesn't mm -hmm. make sense. None, none of it makes sense. But then when I found out what the Satanic Temple stands for is that no one religion has the right over another. I'm fine with whatever anybody wants to believe. If you want to worship your cup of tea, fine, do that. But don't have it affect other people and create laws according to what that belief is. That's, I think, the main um, statement of the Satanic Temple is that there mm -hmm. should not be laws created pref giving preference to one religion over the other. And most often in America, it is the Christian right that those laws are influenced by. And the most obscene, offensive thing to Christianity is Satan, of course. So yes. it's 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 it, that immediately creates a feeling inside people that they they're offended, they're upset. It grabs attention. But most Satanists who are members of the Satanic Temple are not evil, not evil by any means. It's they they really just believe more about social justice and that your religion should not affect somebody else. Okay, uh, you've opened a huge can of worms. Um. <laughs> I know, and I know, and I don't want anybody listening to this to come at me. Your beliefs are your beliefs, and I I'm not like I said, I'm not I'm not a spokesperson. So don't don't come at me with, yes. okay. with what, what people believe. So first off, I want to tell my listeners why I'm having Belle here instead of a spokesperson for the Satanic Temple is because why should we pe speak with spokespeople? We should ask the people who are practicing these movements how this affects their lives, why they were drawn to it, uh, how it is incorporated into their daily lives, especially like you are a family mm. person now. So yeah. I'm very interested in that aspect as well. But also when you say uh, we're not evil, 
nobody is thinking that Satanists are evil. I think the problem is that the concept of Satan being evil is a very Christian concept, but what what Satan is, I think the word Satan comes from shaitani, an Arabic word that means adversary. Yeah. Mm, mm -hmm. So you you even know the tarot card of the devil is not necessarily evil, but rather adversary. Yes, adversity. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah, I think it uh, fits with the satanic temple. Like, okay, you guys don't believe in Satan as a deity. Is, right. is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Well, and you know what? Actually, you know, I'm always the one to debate everything. The satanic temple does not tell anyone what they should or should not believe. As long yes. as what you, you can believe in actual Satan as a deity or a God as a deity and still be a member of the satanic temple. As long as that belief is not precluding the tenets, the seven tenets, and you're not speaking out against what the, the satanic temple speaks for you. You can't call yourself a member and speak against what. And that's mm-hmm. the only thing with that. Yes, yeah. yes. I, I'm making the point that you're not invoking the word Satan to refer to a deity. But right. rather you're invoking the folkloric figure of Satan and what symbolically Satan stands for as adversity. Because exactly. we, we know when we compare the Church of Satan with the Satanic Temple, the Satanic Temple is more politically oriented. The Satanic mm-hmm. Temple is all about using Satanism, as you said, as something that provokes the Christian yes. majority. So you are using Satan to convey this idea of adversity. Yes. Yes, that's exactly right. Well said. Yes. It's it's more of, of grabbing the attention of if you are making a law regarding what your beliefs are as a Christian, you can't say somebody else can't do that as well just because it's your adversary, just because it's, you know, we're saying we're the temple of Satan, um, the satanic temple. It's 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 really just to grab that attention and to that it's okay to offend that Christian sensibility and what and I grew up a Christian and that's why it's it's I really love offending Christians because in the the way I grew up was I, I just have changed so much in life. I think we all should always strive to know more and learn more and that we can change. But I really love offending people. And then when people ask me, well, what what do you believe? And I say, actually, I'm not against the teachings of Jesus Christ. If somebody just went against what he, he taught, you know, you really can't go wrong in life. It's the breaking down of the doctrines of it and getting it so political and arguing over this verse versus that verse and his apostles being the ones who mainly wrote the rest of the New Testament, not him. So if if, if, if he was even a real person. So I, yeah. that's that's another thing altogether, if he was even a real person. So, and I don't, and, and I, I hate to argue with people on that. So if he was or was he wasn't, if he wasn't, if these people who call themselves Christians actually acted like the person they say who was Jesus Christ, we wouldn't have the problems we have today. The yes. problem is they don't act very Christian at all. Also, I want to point out what Christians are doing, especially fundamentalists. They're appropriating Jesus Christ. And you as the adversary of Christianity, or rather mainstream Christianity are appropriating the folkloric symbol of Satan. Mm-hmm. Of being that adversary, yeah. Yes, but but you're using the same tactics <laughs> against them. Yeah. The same thing that they're using, but they're too hypocritical to admit what they're doing. True, true. And that's why, and that's why I, you know, I, I tell I, I've had conversations with people who say things, you know, the satanic temple, they tout that they've, you know, filing all these lawsuits, but in reality they haven't really won any. But to me, it's you have to start somewhere and 
you have to fight fire with fire. So how can somebody say, I'm actually atheistic or non-theistic and say, but I'm a member of the church of, you know, I'm a member of the Satanic Temple, try to fight the religious laws over the religious laws, because that's, you have to meet sometimes in war <laughs> in, in, in America, I believe we are kind of at a war with social justice and in our politics. It's just, and, and being American, that's, it's, it's hard to get bogged down in what's happening here in America and see that it's ha- it happens in countries all over the world. It's not just America. It's, you know, where we're seeing it, but you have to fight fire with fire with religion, trying to make religious laws. You have to then come forth with why, okay, you can't pick that religion over my religion. My religion, religion is a deeply held set of beliefs. Mm-hmm. So I, my religion is being a good human, being a good human being. It's just, we don't believe in magic. And that's one of the, the key differences of saying, okay, how can you say the satanic temple is a religion? Well, we don't believe in any supernaturalism. Not to say that it hasn't ever happened to me because I've had some weird shit happen. I just don't know exactly what it was, um, yes. what what things are. But all religion is really <laughs> magic. If you believe in a magic guy in the sky, or you believe in a magic guy in a temple, or you believe it's is magic real? I don't know. I, I want to say that the, maybe the reason that you guys need to say openly that you are a religion, though you are atheists, essentially, but mm. it, it's because maybe the government, the law mandates you in order for you to have your own rights, you need to be a part of a religion so you can say, oh, I have a religious right. Yes, because if you're yes. an atheist, then uh, there's nothing that, that you can cling on to say, I have a right to this and that. Exactly. And that's one of the, the, the government affords protections to religious organizations. So in the same sense that many Christian, and I'm not just, I'm not just trying to, but many religions will try to claim protection from the United States government because of their religion. The Satanic Temple also had to say, okay, we are a religion also to fight fire with fire, to say, to be on the same ground as our religion, our deeply held beliefs are just as important important as your religion and your deeply held beliefs and should be protected as such under the law. We are a, a country that is very much governed by the law and what has been established as law. So we have we have to fight fire with fire in, the, in that mm-hmm. aspect. I, I wish we could all just have a really good conversation and say, you know what, that's, that's a better way to do things rather than having to take it through the courts and establish an actual law to make things be right for everybody in the society. Unfortunately, we do have to take it to that level and, and use the, the terms of the law. Yes, yes. I also, th- I'm thinking like, if the problem is that you are a non-theistic religion, like the problem of establishing you as, you know, a religion in the eyes of the legal system, how does the legal system then allow protection of Buddhists who are also a non-theistic religion? Or let's say, I don't want to say, but Scientology, I don't think they have a but they, Yeah, and they do. The, yeah, and, and the Satanic Temple does have that protection because it is a federally <laughs> recognized religion is how I believe that that's what drew me to it is that I believe it's a grassroots foundation. And there's been some controversy on how the Satanic Temple first started, that it first started as a joke. Um, it was, you know, a mockumentary. But sometimes great things start from something that was just an idea or wasn't something people were taking seriously. Like my podcast with my best friend, she said, let's do a podcast. I didn't take her seriously. No, she was serious. And it turned out to be something really fun. <laughs> sometimes the best things in life are things that we didn't know it was going to be something. And I think that's what the Satanic Temple is for me is that I think it started out as something small. It's grown. And I think that even though what's happening now on in the terms of the playing field of lawsuits, there's not much happening, but the more it happens, it's it's going to take individual members. Like I read about a member who you know brought something up at a school council about the shirt somebody was wearing. It's things like that that will affect change at the very local level, the very grassroots level that's going to affect that change. It's going to take a lot of time and a lot of people really fighting for it. But I think that the Satanic Temple for me 
is that grassroots foundation. And it's really exploded in the last few years, which is really heartwarming to see that more people are embracing calling themselves Satanists and knowing full aware that they don't believe in an actual Satan. I think that's awesome, mm-hmm. too. There is another organization that kind of parallels with the Satanic Temple that I'm aware of. I am personally an anti-natalist. Do you know what that is? Explain a little bit, I think. Okay, antinatalism is the belief that it's not moral to have children. Okay. And I am childless. It's it's a personal belief of mine. But yeah, during, yeah. during the late 80s and the 90s, there was this organization calling themselves the Church of Euthanasia, which mm. started as a parody religion and then became a real religion. But they were pulling off stunts that remind me of of the you know political activism of the satanic temple they they'd go to uh, these anti-abortion rallies and put up a plaques like uh, save the planet eat a baby stuff like that i mean it's tongue-in-cheek it's it's i like a joke. it yeah, yeah. i'm gonna have it's to do some more re- i'm gonna have to do some research i like this yeah <laughs> i like you're going tell me more <laughs> so i was wondering like we have that as a parody religion we have the church of the flying spaghetti monster probably mm. you're aware of which mm-hmm. was also an atheist parody religion is the satanic temple that or has it grown to something much bigger than parody religion is it now a full-fledged religion that is treated more seriously yeah i think we're at that cusp i, I think we're at that cusp but because uh, like i said at first that was very much the idea of what the satanic temple was it wasn't much but especially with the election in 2016 here in the united states that caused a lot of people to open their eyes to the reality of where our country was heading in terms of the political influence. And the Satanic Temple, I think, was like a lifeline for some people. That's something people who grew up very... The more I talk to people who are interested in the Satanic Temple and who have joined, actually grew up with that spiritual influence, that religious influence, and they want something that they say, I'm a part of, and this is what I believe. And it's it's different from the Church of Satan in that aspect, because the Church of Satan under Anton LaVey is very much individualist. They don't have congregations. They don't have... They, they don't do those things because to them that's that's individualism whereas the satanic temple understands that need to to belong to something and to identify other people who believe the same way you do about the way we should be conducting ourselves and not necessarily get into all your individual spiritualism whether you believe that crystals influence your world or you practice witchcraft or you're a buddhist at heart or a taoist or a not a completely atheistic person altogether those seven tenets and what they stand for is what influences the way you conduct your life. And I think that's key to a lot of us now in, in the, our generation. I'm not sure your age, but it seems to be the generation that are now the parents of this generation. That's mm-hmm. what we're, we're looking for is, is to say, this is who I am and what I believe. And it doesn't subscribe to any specific religion. And even if I did, even the people I've met people who say, yeah, I'm, I'm actually a Christian or I'm actually a Taoist, but that does not influence anything in regards to the way I treat other people or the way other people should be treated. Okay. And can a Christian or a Taoist uh, be also a member of the Satanic Temple? Yeah. Yeah, you can. The thing is, and I've read about it because I'm like, I don't know exactly what I am. But yes, as long as what you are saying you believe does not preclude those seven tenets and you and you don't, mm-hmm. you're not going to a, a rally saying that the Taoist in me is, you know, overshadowing the Satanic Temple tenets. That's, that's the thing about all of it. The differences between the church and the temple. So you brought up that the church is more individualistic from what i've read I'm- like the uh, old alistair crowley yeah. stuff do yeah. as that thy, thy wilt and uh, the temple 
is more community building oriented? I don't think it was the Satanctum was built on that aspect necessarily, but I think that that is one of the key differences is the uh, the ability to join a congregation in your city or start one up if there's not one. They they have that ability to be a part of a community. Whereas from what I understand, the Church of Satan, it's not they don't really do that. They don't have the congregations. They don't have um, that same type of atmosphere as the Satanic Temple offers. Okay, and what else do the church and the temple butt heads over? Like, what are the main differences? Um, you know, I, I think belief in abortion, that everyone should have the access to safe and affordable abortion care. Anton LaVey was very much anti-abortion. And that's another thing that why I, the Church of Satan never appealed to me is that I've read some things about Anton LaVey as a person and and now even the, the head of the Church of Satan now. And I just don't, I don't agree with what some of their beliefs are. Some of them, um, the Darwinism, uh, I believe in Dar- Darwinism, but I can't, the word. The social eugenics. Darwinism. Yes. Eugenics. Yes. That's mm-hmm. the word. Yes. Um, I, I don't, I don't believe in that necessarily that we should have to be a, a better race. I mean, it, it actually kind of speaks to your, um, what you're saying, your beliefs of not, not parenting, because yeah. why do we need to propagate a species? I don't believe in magic necessarily. And that's very much and you're stated a in. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm all about hey, what I <laughs> what I say is there's a lot that I don't know. What I know is there's a lot that I don't know. <laughs> do I do spells sometimes? Yeah, do I do rituals? Absolutely. Do I, do I think that there's this one TikTok that says, "Do I think that a lot of it is just spicy psychology?" Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yes, I think that a lot of it is that we we want to understand our own human nature and we put a spell or a ritual to it. And there's a lot to be said about the power of meditation and really putting your mind to something. I mean, there's a lot to be said about the human yeah. mind. I think ma- magic is focusing your intent. Yeah, yeah. What you guys Absolutely. are doing is very magical. You are focusing your intent. You're manifesting your your exactly. political activism in, into reality, but you don't perceive it as magic. That's true. Ooh, well said. Yeah, that is very true. Yeah, that's it. That, hmm. Another reason why the Christians should be pissed <laughs> off. Maybe you should just appropriate the ma- magic aspect and say, oh, yeah, we are doing spells. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. I- I'm all about whatever works for you. If it works for you and you like doing it, do it. Keep doing it. Whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever. I- I'm not to say what someone else should or should not be doing. I-, I like how you brought up social Darwinism because it's something that bugs me a lot. Whenever I hear somebody, and I am a biologist by my education, so you mm. know, evolution is everything to me. And when somebody tries to make the argument that Darwinian evolution is not real and that it's bad because of social Darwinism, social Darwinism and eugenics is a complete different thing. It's people appropriating Darwinian evolution back in the day to be racists and Nazis. It has exactly. nothing to do with, with science and nature. Right, right, right. And and most of nature is, uh, you know, the better of the, the species, the better of able, the better, they're, they're going to be the ones to survive. And we as humans, we are unique in the aspect that we can choose a mate that is not the best necessarily, mm-hmm. the not, not the most physically, you know, uh, specimen, not, not the smartest and still love them very much and want to have you know and and if you want to have children have children with them and that's 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 the the beauty of being human i think is that that's how we're different yes and what you said about uh, evolution and natural selection now that's the old school interpretation Mm. unfortunately that's what we still teach people in school but well and i was publicly educated in the united states 
right? So. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's something even I've now grown to to learn after going through a biological education and learning the neo-Darwinist aspect of it all. But rather, evolution is all about symbiosis. It's not about the toughest, most strong species overcoming the weakest ones. It's about everything working together and having its own place in the ecosystem. Oh, I love that. Yes. I like that. I need to educate myself a little bit more on more current research into biology. I like that. Yeah, yeah. That's something that we are unfortunately learning now. And still, we have neo-Darwinists trying to, you know, promote this idea of of the strongest always prevails. But no, the strongest is just one aspect of the collective whole. And the one that you see, the one that you see the most often, just like, you know, the the person who screams the loudest in the room is the one that you hear and goes that speaks back to the satanic temple and why I think it has chosen to say we're Satanist, because that's the what evokes that emotion in people and makes people sit up and take notice. You know, if we said we worship laundry baskets eh, <laughs> yeah, or the flying spaghetti as, monster yeah or the flying mystery that's like they're like okay yeah they just you know laugh that off but something that yes. so so clearly speaks to what some of the christians deeply held beliefs are it's something that will make them take notice and and mm-hmm. that's why i like saying i'm a satanist i like to offend people i, I love to offend pe- i really love to offend the christians i hate to say that <laughs> but I, I do you see being offensive you are using that as a tool of political protest True. Yes, yes. If I think now, just just like the Church of Euthanasia, what I said, going to anti-abortion rallies and putting up placards, eat a baby, save the planet, you know? Mm-hmm, you, you need to mm-hmm. poke where it hurts. Exactly. Or save the nipple, that movement. People, mm-hmm. uh, women walking topless. No, oh, yes, I, that too. That that's that. I can't tell you how many times I've been dinged by Instagram for that one. That's just ridiculous. I, I'm sorry, <laughs> I said save the nipple, free the nipple. That's the movement. Free the nipple, yes. yes. Yeah, free the nipple. Yeah, I think that, I mean, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instagram and all the, the social media policies are a little ridiculous on that. I mean, if a woman, and that goes back to way I believe whatever, whatever pleases you, do you, if you want to show your nipple, show your nipple. If you want to have an OnlyFans, have an OnlyFans. And, and But that, to me, my beliefs are also, if you're a Christian and you want to practice Christianity and you want to do so and not influence me or my family or the person walking beside you who may not believe that, then absolutely go ahead. I have no problem with a Christian practicing Christianity and doing their own life. That's fine. And even if they want to wear a, a, you know, a shirt with Jesus on it, go right ahead. But don't then look at me and tell me I should not be in a public movie theater because I have you know a shirt on that says, hell satan that's the stuff that bothered me that even walking into work i asked my husband i was going to a church a work event and i had a sigil a nec- necklace on which is the sigil of lucifer i'm mm-hmm. like should i wear this i should not have to question that if a christian can wear a cross on their neck and not question am i going to be judged for it then neither should anyone else of any religion to wear a token of what of something that they believe so it's i think that we have a lot of work to do in that aspect of society and even even individualist uh, thinking I'm always every day thinking I need to, I have some thoughts that are, you know, ingrained and okay, I have to fight against those thoughts on a daily basis. People need to always be questioning what they've been taught to believe. Mm -hmm. When we're talking about that, I think Christians have a privilege that they are even not aware of. Like they are so privileged that they don't need to think if I wear a cross, will I be, you know, questioned because of that, because they perceive that as the norm and everything else is open to being questioned. Yes, absolutely. And that's one of the, that I've read about that in the Satanic Temple is that it is that questioning of that Christian privilege. So why do, you know, I've been asked, why do, why do the Satanic Temple pick on 
around Christianity so much? Well, because it is that Christian privilege, just as much as white privilege. It's it's that. And if you are a Christian, then you should be aware of what you are doing that is continuing to perpetuate your Christian privilege, same way as white privilege. I, I tell my best friend often, and I know you've told me you listen to our show sometimes, it's mm-hmm. when you can walk down a street and not question at all your color or what you're doing, you need to be aware of that. There's oftentimes we, we do things in life and we don't realize the privilege that we have just by doing it. And if you stop and think for a second, wow, well, how would I be approached differently if I were not a white person? Mm-hmm. You need to be thinking about that because that is actually absolutely what's in the head of somebody who is not white. Same thing with yes. Christianity. If if you can walk around your life, like you just said, if I can walk down the streets of Bourbon and see people with you know Christian shirts on and people don't question them and they don't question it, then they also shouldn't question what somebody else is wearing. And I think when myself or my husband or somebody who is not necessarily affiliated with the Satanic Temple, just in general, does something that makes that that person step back and say, what? Why? I like that. I like to make people question their (laughs) beliefs and why they believe them. Very, very tricksterish. I like it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because they're automatically making a judgment on me. Yes. And I know me. I know me. And I I don't know. I, I I don't know why I like that. Yeah, Uh, You said that we should be in the mindset to consider what it would be like to be a person of a different race and what they are going through, people who are less privileged than us for different reasons, not not just the stuff that we're going through. Have you maybe noticed this popping in your head more that you are now in New Orleans compared to Texas? I I don't... I don't think so. Actually, I, I would think about it more when I was in Texas because I seemed to be the minority in that aspect, that I would be at a party with people and somebody would tell a racist joke and nobody even blink. And I know it would not sit right with me and I would want to leave. And I'm looking around at people thinking, why is this not shocking to you? And then coming to New Orleans, South Louisiana in general is a very African-American based area. It's, it's yes. a lot of people are black and people of color. To be in this area and be around other people of all different races and cultures. I, I really like it. It's when I travel outside of New Orleans that I'm realized that I'm still in you know the southern United States. Uh, mm-hmm. But New Orleans itself is a very welcoming. Very uh, there's no place like it. It's why I moved here. It's hard to explain. It, it gets in your it gets in in your blood and in your, under your skin. <laughs> this city because even when people come here from other areas that are typically very conservative, you know that type of and they come here and they see that this area isn't like that. They're also forced to confront their own prejudice because they're in a place that doesn't accept that. Okay. So first off, I've been following you for, I don't know, two years now. Yeah, a while now. Yeah, we haven't been chatting much. I I was following you from my old podcast Mm -hmm. and we chatted before. But I remember when you were, and this was recent, when you you moved to New Orleans. I don't know, the way you were posting about it, you you and your husband, and I follow him as well. Yeah. Um, It it did seem like a very spiritual and very uh, important thing for you guys. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. He and I met late in life. This is both of our third marriages. And we both just... It's hard to explain, but when we met, we started questioning everything that we ever believed in life. And I think it, age helped that a little bit because we started talking about what was important to us and, you know, what was our life goals type of thing. And we both are very similar in the aspects that we did not just want to stay stagnant, didn't want to just stay in one place and only experience one way of life. We both have this thirst for knowledge and deep love of other cultures and learning from other cultures. And moving to New Orleans was the first big step for us because now we're already talking about moving other places as well. But just to be 
be totally immersed in a, another culture was something that we wanted to experience. And we both love New Orleans and the community and just everything about it. It's so it's such a, a live city. I've never been in a city other than New Orleans that I felt that the city itself was its own entity almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but this city, absolutely, the energy that is here is, it, it's, it can be a bit overwhelming to sometimes because I'm very much one of those people who picks up on other people, um, other people's energies and the way they're feeling. It's just who I am naturally. Um, I've been called an empath. I, I've, <laughs> I, I just can feel a little bit deeper than what it seems that other people can. And when I first moved here, it was actually very overwhelming to me, the energy that's here. And some things that have happened to me in New Orleans have made me question that belief of, do I believe? What do I believe? Because there's been things that's happened to me here that I cannot explain at, at all because I'm a very scientific minded person and I want to look for the logical reason um, for things like something touches you where you feel cold breeze or something. What is that? What's the scientific explanation? And I've had some things happen that yes. I can't explain and it gives you the creeps. Absolutely. It's the magic of the land itself. It is. I'm, I, and I think that scientists, everyone can agree that energy does not stop being energy. It changes. I, I believe that, you know, you burn a log, that energy is still there. It's changed into, it's had a, a chemical change. It's mm-hmm. become something different. Um, and I believe that about humans as well, that there's so much going on with us being a human being and everything that is in us, that there's just, there's more to everything than we can tell just from our five senses. I, I want to bring this up. So um, <laughs> I, I'm very glad that you are an empath and that you feel like you're an empath because when we started recording now, I'm like, I'm not a bigot and I'm not ignorant. So please don't don't think that, you know, I'll be asking those types of questions. You're like, okay, I, I don't get that vibe from you. So no, that's good. but it took me talking to you. It, I, uh-huh. I wasn't sure until you and I had that first conversation right before we started recording that I, mm-hmm. I just had this sense of who you were as a person because it took mm-hmm. me to actually talk to you to realize to be put at ease. The thing is, so due to your social media presence, I assume that if somebody who is also a male person reaches out to you, that it is because of your social media presence and the nature of it and not mm-hmm. for a conversation like this. So do, do you often have those types of assumptions and how, how does your social media presence affect your way to kind of yeah judge the motivations of people who reach out to you yeah yeah and that's i haven't always had a big social media presence it it really came about more with being involved in the podcast with my friend i'm kind of an extroverted introvert an ambivert Mm -hmm. to where i i tend to withdraw i want to be by myself but i also like attention and being on social media and being in the podcast really afforded that to me but also with a little bit of anonymity because it's not necessarily going into a room and performing for people in front of them i can pick and choose the the persona that people see online on social media. So mm-hmm. it gave me that that outlet. But then again, because I'm a typically be more I'm more empathic, whenever somebody first reaches out to me, I have to I have to first say no or first hedge or not even respond at all because I get drawn into whatever it is. I can usually tell the people who are just wanting to, you know, have sexy talk and that's really what they want. Yeah. And I, I drive them to my OnlyFans account. If you want that side of me, by all means go 
go have it, but I'm not giving it to you. I'm very selective with who I give personal time to. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's people like you who reach out and it's a genuine form of, hey, I think that you are a really cool person. I like your ideas and the things you talk about. And, and let's, you know, I'd like to connect on that level. And that I love because I, I like to say that I'm part sapiosexual because of that. And But I, I really love that about human connection is that, hey, you come from a different, completely different world than I do. Let's talk about our worlds and and learn a little bit more about things outside of our little circle. Yes, yes. So it's, yeah, so it's hard for me online because people see my pictures. They see my my OnlyFans is very intimate part of myself. They they listen to me on the show and they tend to think they know me. And that's that's hard because I'll get, you know, somebody who says, I've been recognized a couple of places here. And then they'll send me a message. Oh, I saw you and your husband. And it's like, oh man, that's a little weird. Yeah, that, that does sound kind of threatening. Yeah, yeah. It's a little weird. But then I'm thinking, okay, I, I had so, but you know what? People who say they saw me and wish you'd come up and say hi, I said, I tell them, come up and say hi if you see me and you mm-hmm. know me. I'm I'm a very personal person. I, I try to act like I'm this big bitch, but that's self-preservation also because I tend to want to know people more deeply than just that filler talk yes. or just, uh, hey, how are you doing? What's the weather? I, I tend to want to know people more deeply, but that's a lot of commitment emotionally to know people that deeply. So I tend to just push that off, push that off, push that off because otherwise I will. I'll get to know people and... <sighs> That can be exhausting. Yes. Um, uh, I want to point out, so I thought, should we bring up, uh, bring this up in the episode or not? So listeners, Belle here is also, do you refer to yourself as an erotic model or how? how sure. How you, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I would qual. I would qualify. <laughs> I don't think I'd qualify as a sex worker because I don't do anything. Like I don't, I, I don't do anything for money in that aspect of somebody says, well, you do this and I will pay you for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I put things you out there. You are totally in control. Of what you do. Yes, yes. I, I don't charge a fee. If you want to send me money on OnlyFans, by all means, send me money. I'm never going to say no to anyone sending <laughs> me money. Uh, but it, it's really, I made it free because I was really starting to enjoy the artistic side of photographs of myself. I really love that. And Instagram and their you know policies on certain types of photos, especially for someone who's a bigger person. I am, I you know, I'm a curvy girl. I'm a big girl. It tends to be more... Um, restrictive to that type of model. And I was tired of getting, you've violated community guidelines. You've, And so I just said, okay, I'm going to do an OnlyFans and things that I want to put out there on that site so that then I don't have any worries about yes. you know, community guidelines. And I'm loving, where, I'm loving where this episode is going because it's Christmas. We're talking about Satanism. We're bashing yes. Christians. We're talking about abortion rights. Hail Satan. Yes. Hail Satan. <laughs> Hail Satan. <laughs> and now we're talking about sex work or yes. rather what would be perceived as such. Now, yes, I want to bring up, uh, th- maybe you don't know this, or maybe I told you, I am asexual. <laughs> I think I told you w- once when we first communicated. At one time, yeah. Yeah. I told you like, hey, I'm reaching out to you, not not because of the erotic modeling stuff. But yeah, because, you, wanted to, you wanted to make yeah. sure that I knew that it wasn't for, because of that, because <laughs> I think you knew that I, like anyone, I'd be like, okay, whatever. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah, that. I think we were talking about some biological stuff. I just mm-hmm. thought it was interesting to kind of poke at you and see, like, is there any anything more deeper than your social media presence to you? And can you hold a more deeper conversation? And of course you can. No, absolutely. We're, we're doing I'm like that an now. onion. I have many layers. <laughs> yes. I, I was very intrigued in like, th- this is a cool thing to tackle because not everybody perceives erotic models as just that, but n- nobody perceives them as 
humans, nobody perceives them as as mothers and and daughters, mm-hmm. you know, as, as full people. Right. And, and even to sit down and talk with them, like we're not even watching each other on video now. I I don't care. No. About that. Right. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're just talking about real life stuff. Now, what, why I'm br- bringing this up is because we have brought up some issues like, like abortion rights, w- women's issues, women's rights issues. And I think what you do with the OnlyFans also speaks to that. So you know, can you maybe share something yeah. about that? as well like i think absolutely and and i think more and more nowadays than you know generations past of sex work it's a way for women to own their own selves they they control who they are and what they put out there and, and saying that even my sexuality is mine to do with as i choose by nobody else's prescription myself i consider myself pansexual and when i meet other people of, who who define themselves as other sexualities i'm very cur- i'm always very curious because you know i am not that so I'm always curious as to how they perceive the world because for me, it's almost <laughs> as if it would be completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Because uh-huh. for me as a pansexual person, I'm actually confined sexual attraction in all sexualities. It's I, I can find sexual attraction in pretty much anything, not anything, but any person. I can find that. I can I can find that type of sexual attraction. So for me, I whenever I first learned of the term pansexual, I thought that's me because at first I'd always said bisexual. I was like, no, but it's not just bisexual. I'm not just bisexual. Actual. Mm-hmm. What? what am I? So I really love that the LGBT community has given us terminology for what we are. Because a lot of times people I've heard, oh, same thing with, you know, diagnoses. Diagnoses is important as the symptoms. It's not the label. It's who you, what you believe as a person. But some of us like to have, like to have terminology to go along with it because it helps define things in an an easier manner than having a long conversation about what I find attractive and what I don't find attractive. So being able to say I'm pansexual and somebody who is familiar with the sexuality terms, it's easier for you to understand maybe the way I feel. And the same thing when you use the term asexual. I'm mm-hmm. not asexual, but I have heard a lot about asexual, so I can kind of understand who you are in that aspect. So term- terminology is helpful sometimes. Yeah, uh, I like it's that. It's like yeah. a ba- baseline, but of course, people are very nuanced. Uh, we, mm. we shouldn't reduce people to just the terminology. Of course, of course. It's, it's just a, a waypoint, and then if you want to learn more about a person, then you go further from, from the term. Absolutely, but a term yes. is just, you know, breaking the ice. Yeah. Yes, yes, like you said, a baseline. It's a good, uh, especially if you're looking for a partner and you kind of want to be on the same level of things. And if we as naturally societal people, we want to be around others who are like us. And if you're looking for a partner specifically, you want to make sure that you're well matched in that area. I wanted to ask you, so uh, most of your modeling is photographed by your husband. Yes. Okay. And I did point out to you a few times in chat previously, like a year ago or something, from the way that he is photographing you in the nude or otherwise, because some of the and most of the photographs are not even sexual in nature or erotic. You you guys are just somewhere and he's photographing you. Uh, You can see that he he perceives you as a goddess. through the lens. So I'm very interested in that dynamic. Like, has this uh, modeling helped you guys in your marriage? Yeah, absolutely. When we first met many, many years ago, we actually met online through a social media site. And and I think that we mesh well together because the way he sees me is also the way I see him. He's just not wanting to be as photographed as I do. I like to be photographed or be put out there on display. He would much rather be behind the lens. But 
that feeling of putting each other on a pedestal is reciprocated by each of us. And I think that's important in any dynamic is that you should fulfill what each other needs. It's it, Everyone's different. Of course, not everyone wants to be on a pedestal. If that doesn't work for you, then fine. But for each of us to think that the other one is the absolute best, you should think that about your partner. I think I, mm-hmm. I think that you should. And if you don't, why are you with that person? <laughs> it's like you, you should you should look at your partner and absolutely think that they are a god or a goddess or or whatever. Yeah, because why wouldn't you? I just that's just always been very hard for me to understand. I've been in some relationships to where and they didn't last very long, but they would think I was being narcissistic or oh you think you're all that and you're just mine that kind of thing also. Okay, um, but then they you, are conveying their own narcissism through you. Exactly, exactly. And and he takes the photos of me and puts them out there at my request and at, at my I get always the veto power over whatever he puts out there. He'll show it to me and say, "Is this okay with you?" Um, mm-hmm. So it, it, he does that at at my permission because that's what I want. Uh, if I he did not if I did not want him to, he would stop. And, and it, it's always been about my choice. And I think that speaks a lot to me as a feminist is that and my body is my choice. If I want to put it out and, and you want to take the photos, if you don't take the photos, then I'm just going to get the photos taken somewhere else. Luckily, he really likes taking photos too. But I'm still going to put myself out there to the extent that I want to. And if I don't, you know, you'll see on my postings, there's sometimes I post every day and then sometimes I don't post for a week or two because I've just got other shit going on and, and it's not the top of my priorities. But my body, my choice is absolutely the way I feel about my my photographs, about my OnlyFans content, about my social media presence, about my podcast, about my sexuality is my my body, my choice. You Nobody can tell me what I want to do with my body. And that's one of the, the leading tenets, actually speaking back to the Satanic Temple, is that mm-hmm. one's own will is inviolable. Your own body is your own. You, somebody cannot, I cannot tell you what you should do with your body. If we own anything in this world, it's our own bodies. Yes, yes. I also find it very interesting how, as you say, he does not like to be photographed as much. He <laughs> maybe finds it difficult to express himself, but uh, he expresses himself through you expressing yourself. And he True. enables you to express yourself via his photography. I th- I find that a very interesting dynamic. I find it sexy in a non very non-sexual asexual way. <laughs> Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that and that is the truth. That's absolutely the way it is, is that he sees me and what he sees in me is his embodiment of his preferred sexuality, you know, in photographs. So he wants to put that out there, just like if you're a photographer, and he also likes taking pictures of buildings and landscape, you know, it's not just Mm me. Um, And we've been approached by people who want him to take photos of them as well. And And he's not against it. He's just not as emotionally invested in it. So for him, part of photographing me is that enjoyment he takes in that and how it adds to the way we look at each other in general. So even though he would photograph somebody else, if, if, you know, he felt so inclined, he prefers to photograph me and Hey, I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> Go right ahead. <laughs> and time back to uh, the satanic temple and feminist issues. How open is the satanic temple? Like how safe is it for feminists? Oh, abs- very, absolutely. One of the things, and, and it's not, so I'm not very familiar with, the feminist movement, so to speak. To me, what I, I define feminist is what I define a feminist as somebody who believes that females should be just as equal as everybody else, period. But the Satanic Temple is, their tenets is your own body. So it's regardless. It's really
really regardless of your sex rather mm-hmm. than because of your sex. So if you are a feminist in the aspect that you believe that equal rights for all genders, regardless of how that gender is expressed, then then the Stenic Temple, absolutely, I think you could find some similarities with. If you believed feminism in the aspect that females are better, then maybe not, because this, the Satanic Temple is more about equality amongst all rather than the preference of one over another. Yes. And my pitch to you for this episode was that I'd like to interview you about the role of women in the Satanic Temple. But now, mm-hmm. and not even now, like before recording, I was thinking and thinking, how appropriate is that? Because that goes uh, against the tenets. You know, uh, in the Satanic Temple, I assume you are not differentiating people based on their sex. So exactly. the whole conversation of the role in of women in the Satanic Temple is off the table because it's not even a thing. Exactly. And it, you, it, they do, they are big proponents of abortion access because that affects people who were assigned female anatomy at birth. That's mm-hmm. really, and because that violates their ability to govern their own bodies, then it's a female type of issue because of that. If people who were born with male anatomy had to face the actual physical aspect of abortion, then they would fight for that as well. Yes. Um, so that that's the thing about it is it's feminist in that aspect of equality, but not in preference because of, of the person needing the abortion is female. Yes, I, I think when we're oftentimes talking about women's rights issues, maybe down the line, hopefully, if we get all our shits uh, sorted out, we <laughs> won't be referring to it as male or female uh, exactly. rights issues, but rather rights issues o- over your own body, over governance, over your own being. Human rights, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Maybe one day. <laughs> I have hope for the human race. I do. I think that I think we have to as people, uh, one, you know, one of the things that I find fascinating is just human history in general, and even the aspect of war and such like that, because look how different it is. If you can look at this big, all of human history with this big lens, you can see how much we've evolved. If you start getting down and nuanced into year by year, you can see how it's, you know, one step forward, two steps back type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to have hope for us as a human race. I think that's why I like shows like Star Trek and <laughs> stuff like that, because it's it gives this idea of a better human race. So I like to hope that we will. We, we will be better before we blow up the earth anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to ask something and I know I forgot. Oh yeah. Okay. I wanted to ask you this. So is the satanic temple, the existence of it, a direct result out of a necessity that emerges because of the existence of Christianity or rather fundamentalist uh, oppressive Christianity? So without Christianity, would there be no satanic temple? Oh, that's a good one. Yes. <laughs> I think there would absolutely be people who believe in those tenets, but not necessarily have to ascribe by the label, the satanic temple, mm-hmm. if there was no Christianity. What, whatever would be the prevailing religion in that society at the time, whatever would be the exact opposite of that would be what those people would cling to as their idol, as what they want, their symbol against that, you know, whatever that organization is that is a oppressing people because that's yes. that religion in general has oppressed people for millennia in one way or another. It's oppressive in its very nature is that there is something that rules over another. To then break down what religion means, if you just say it's a deeply held set of beliefs and not necessarily a deity, that's a totally different topic. But what we have seen religion to be has been a deity mostly ruling over and you know creating rules 
rules according to whatever they deem is appropriate. So no matter what the religion would be called that would be oppressing a people, there would always be somebody, some sect rising up against it. Because mm-hmm. So what, yeah. what the satanic temple embodies is the trickster is the, as I said, the devil and the tarot. The adversary. That, the yes, adversary. exactly. Yes. It is the so, adversary. So yeah. you are uh, embodying adversity. And as long as there is oppression from whoever, not just Christians, there will always exactly. be a need for adversity to sprout out of that. I, I think with anything, really, not even just religion, and that could be a to- this could be a totally another show, is that there should, oh, there should always be healthy debate on everything. I, I told you before we started recording that I don't like to debate things. I really don't. But I, I really, inside, I do. I like to be that voice of opposition to whatever it is, even if I don't necessarily believe that. I like to be, I think that we should all always be open to that opposition and to think about what that brings up to have that adversary. Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say. So it Mm -hmm. is great to debate if you have a worthy opponent to debate. Yeah. But exactly. your knee-jerk reaction is, I don't want to debate anything because you're assuming at first that the adversary is not worthy of that energy. Well, yeah, it's, and I, I, I think I automatically assume that... <laughs> My adversary is they're going to believe so tightly to whatever it is. It doesn't matter what I say anyway. And that often is the case. I, I love having a healthy discussion and, and listening to somebody if they're open as I am to learning about something, you know, a different viewpoint. But if somebody is coming into a conversation with this dead set, not going to change anything the way I believe, then I don't want to even get involved because uh, that's just a waste of my time and energy. Well, that's a waste of time. Yeah. A waste of time uh, for both parties like why would you waste your time debating somebody if you're not gonna go out of that debate a changed person who learns exactly exactly yeah so that's why what i mean when i say i I don't want to debate so that's why i was when we first talked i said (laughs) you know i just uh, hope that's this isn't going to be that because i don't want to debate so that's why i don't (laughs) get involved with with people who are you know very conservative type of things i just don't get involved because that's good they have their deeply held beliefs and i just don't want to argue because then it's not a debate it's an argument yes you know <laughs> and also if some of my listeners are now angry and yelling at their phone and whatever who gives a fuck <laughs> Yeah, we're we're debating. We're talking now, just me and you, in this point. If they're in time angry and yelling at their phone, good, <laughs> good. It means that we did what we intended to do, which is to make you. I, I like upsetting people because I don't know if you get if you get upset. Number one, you're separating yourself from the people that I want to even waste time with anyway. Because if you're going to get that upset over something, then I'm not even going to waste my time with you. There's no reason to get that upset. Is that something that uh, got you into erotic modeling? Is your erotic modeling kind of a political statement? It kind of is because because I'm a big girl. That's one of the things. Yes. And, and that's another way that society oppresses people is, is this ideal image of what the female body should be. And, and because I'm not, you know, a thin model, I like to show that it doesn't matter the size of the person. It's how they carry themselves. To me, that's really what, what it is. It's, it's, it's what you project as to who you are. And I often get commented that it's my, part of it is my confidence. And that's absolutely, you should have confidence in who you are. It, even no matter what your body looks like, you rock mm-hmm. that body that is your body. 
It's yes. the only body you get. You might have a chance to adorn it in different ways, but that is your body. Rock your body. Um, and if you're not that type of person, that's fine too. But if you are, you know, I've had people come up to me. I was at parade here for Anne Rice and somebody came up to me and says, you're everything that I want to be. And I said, be it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. You know, it, it took me, but it, I, I get that not everyone's at that point in their lives because it, especially for women, it takes us to be a certain point in life to give no fucks. And we all reach that at different points in our lives, I think. And, and mine just happened to have come just within the last few years of giving no fucks because this is my life. And at the end of the day, if I'm closing my eyes forever, life is going to move on without me. What was my life worth to me while I was living it? You know, the one thing we don't know is whether there is anything beyond the point that our heart stops beating and our brain stops functioning. So I want to make it count while I'm here. Yes. So. Yes. Uh, I, I love this conversation. And I hope that you know that during the holiday season, people, are very, a lot of people are depressed. A lot of people feel alone, yeah. uh, oppressed in various different ways. I, I hope that what we talked about now can help people in some weird way. It, it yeah, it is. And I have, uh, I know a lot of people who really dread, especially Christmas Day. And most of it is because of past trauma in their lives, whatever that, uh, that holiday memories, you know, associated with it. So even though on Christmas Day today, I say Hail Satan, <laughs> um, I hope that everybody is having, you know, a wonderful day. And if not, you're not alone. You're not alone in life. And if you want to send me a message and say, hey, I heard you on the show and I just want to say hi, I will absolutely respond yes. and say hi. Because we as humans, we we want to connect. And typically, some people are, are very antisocial. Mm -hmm. I get that. But if you are are out there on this day and you are really yearning to connect with somebody, I will be checking my social media messages on Christmas Day. So absolutely send me a message and say hi, and I can be your connection that day. Go ahead, do it. That's fine. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Happy Saturnalia. Uh, hail Satan. Happy Chinese New Year. Everything. All of it. And uh, also <laughs> Merry Monica. Christmas for, yes. for the majority uh, yeah. who, who still feel, you know, depressed, oppressed and lonely, uh, even if they do celebrate Christmas. Um, yes. Reach out to Belle. And uh, Belle, can yeah. you share with the listeners where they can reach out to you and plug all yeah, your stuff? Yeah, so my um, my Instagram is what I check the most. And on there, I am Hell's Bell. The username is Hell's Bell, as in H-E-L-L-S-B-E-L, -L -L, one L, one three three one. So Hell's Bell 1331. That's also my own. OnlyFans account. And I'm on Facebook, but it's just family. And then mm -hmm. I have my podcast with my best friend is Gotham Bougie podcast. And you can find us everywhere also. Yeah, I will link all of that in the episode description. Awesome. Even the OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> Go right ahead. I don't care. <laughs> it is social media and yeah. it can be, it, it can be used. At, at, if it, it makes you happy, go yes. right ahead. If it's not for you, then don't come on there and, and, and give me shit about it. That's fine too. <laughs> uh, but I think it can make people happy, not just in a sexual way, but in a political way, in a social justice way. It yeah, is, it absolutely. is a form of expression. It is a form of political protest as we established. And maybe somebody who is going through these, you know, body image issues or regardless, um, mm -hmm. can, can, you know, go on your OnlyFans and, and be inspired. Absolutely. I try. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a wonderful conversation. Now, unfortunately, we don't have time to go into your Scotland uh, travels, but maybe um, in another episode. It's just the first of many. Yeah, we should. <laughs> um, 
we could have a whole nother episode on the paranormal experiences I've had with things that go bump in the night, especially living here in New Orleans. There is something in my house that vexes me Mm. a lot. So yeah, we should, we should definitely have another conversation sometime. Well, thank you so much for doing this and for uh, believing in my ability to not be an ignorant conservative asshole. I was nervous. I told you I was nervous at first. I was, cause I've listened to many other shows and I I was a little intimidated. So, but no, you've made this very enjoyable. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. And uh, again, listeners, if you want to reach out to Bell, the link's in my episode description. And hail Satan. Hail Satan. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.